Great to see you all this morning, and uh, maybe you're wondering why the change, what's going on, everything's a little different, the communion table's not in the middle, what's up with this long weekend, short Sunday, well, um, I'm here to help guide you through that. My name is Scott McTaggart, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, uh, part of the reason for long weekend, short Sunday is just a a fun community thing. While uh, we get to give the kids workers and volunteers a bit of a break, and then uh, gather together for a shorter Sunday so we can go to the park. We're going to be heading to Crab Park after. You're all welcome. A BYO picnic. And we even brought hot dogs for those of you who don't have food. So you can come and mooch off of us. We do not mind at all. Um, Part of the reason, too, for our change-up of our gathering is that you've heard and the scripture reading today and the welcome that was all about Pentecost. How many of you, by show of hands, are familiar with the word Pentecost. You've heard it before. You maybe don't know what it means, but you, yeah, it's about half, maybe 70%. Okay, that's good. Today is a day in the church calendar that we call Pentecost. And there's many days in our church calendar that we celebrate um, Advent leading up to Christmas. Uh, we celebrate Lent, Ash Wednesday, Lent up to Good Friday, Easter, and then comes Pentecost. And so what I'm going to do up here is frame a little bit about uh, what Pentecost means for us today, and then I'm going to lead you in a bit of a different response today. Like I said, the communion table is not here, uh, but we're going to go into a bit of a, a different time of response. So if you are new here, just you have no uh, context for what's normal, so you're probably in a good spot. Uh, for those of you who are used to the normal, uh, it's a good it's a good thing to change things up a bit. Keeps us sharp, hey? So, today is Pentecost, which reminds us that God sent his Holy Spirit to empower the church for action. It's this promise that we see the fruit of, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that word power is where we get our English word for dynamite, dunamis. So explosive, tangible, real, felt, Holy Spirit. I love this quote by John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Church Movement. He says, We cannot successfully live the Christian life in our own strength. The Father has sent the Holy Spirit to empower us, and we are commanded in Scripture to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, In order for us to understand better this day and what it means, we have to do a bit of background work, and we have to understand what it means, uh, kind of the Pentecost before Pentecost. So here's what I mean by that. Pentecost is uh, now known as the day that the Holy Spirit arrived. But if you were Jewish, and before this day, you would know this day to be a uh, 50th day festival after the Passover an agricultural festival. And it's important because a lot of what we do as church, a lot of what Jesus did is informed by the Jewish tradition. So these Jewish holidays are very important. Um, Just throwing it out there, what are some other, just testing your knowledge of Jewish festivals, what, uh, what are some other Jewish festivals that you know of or have heard before? Shout it out if you know. Hanukkah, Yom Kippur, Passover, Rosh Hashanah, Tabernacle, yeah, 
Great. You guys are well-versed. This is good. This is what N.T. Wright says. It's a long quote, but really helpful about these festivals. He says, these festivals awakened echoes of the great story which dominated the long memories of Jewish people. The story of the exodus from Egypt, when God fulfilled his promises to Abraham by rescuing his people. Passover was the time when the lambs were sacrificed and the Israelites were saved from the avenging angel who slew the firstborn of the Egyptians. Off went the Israelites that very night and passed through the Red Sea into the Sinai Desert. Then, 50 days after Passover, they came to Mount Sinai, where Moses received the law. Pentecost, the 50th day, isn't, in other words, just about the first fruits, the sheaf which says the harvest has begun. It's about God giving to his redeemed people the way of life by which they must now carry out his purposes. So Pentecost is uh, an important day. And it means more than just what I said earlier about the coming of the Spirit, but it ties back to this Old Testament festival, and it's so rich. Even in the Sermon on the Mount, we've been going through a series on the Sermon on the Mount. Even in the Sermon on the Mount, we see these parallels. Um, Sermon on the Mount as a new Sinai, in a sense. So Sinai, uh, the Mount Sinai, Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments, came down to bring them. Jesus, in a sense, is like a new Moses, Going up the mountain, giving this Sermon on the Mount is kind of a parallel, a nod to this Sinai experience, a new commandment. Now, he didn't come to throw it all away and abolish it, but to, what does it say? Fulfill the law. And then the third act is the ascension and the sending of the Spirit. Again, N.T. Wright up here. Here in the ascension, Jesus has gone up to heaven so there's this ascension, descension movement up and down. Here Jesus has gone up into heaven in the ascension, and he's now coming down again. Not with a written law carved on tablets of stone, but with the dynamic energy, the dunamis of the law designed to be written on human hearts. And then comes Acts 2, and Andrea did such a great job of reading Acts 2, even with all those hard uh, names of places in the geographical region. Good job, Andrea, wherever you are. Um, and we get to this part, the coming of the Holy Spirit in power. And so my question to you, and we're going to explore just briefly in a couple minutes, is who is the Holy Spirit and what does the Holy Spirit do? If, if Pentecost is celebrating this, this moment, this coming and receiving of the gift of the Holy Spirit, what is the Holy Spirit. And just to, just to add, the root of the word gift is grace, which comes from the Greek word charis, which is where we get our word for charismata or charismatic. The, it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's by grace. So, and I love saying this, by nature, we are all charismatic. This is not just a stream or a, a, a wing of the church. This is the church. We're all charismatic. I, th I think we need to even just say it this morning, just so we believe it. Say, I am charismatic. <laughs> and say it like that with emphasis. I'm just joking. You don't have to say that. Richard Rohr in his book, The Divine Dance, defines the Holy Spirit as the divine energy. And he says in his book, which I highly recommend, he says the Holy Spirit is 
the love relationship between the Father and the Son. It is this relationship itself that is gratuitously given to us. Or better, we are included inside this love. Wow! This is salvation in one wonderful snapshot. Isn't that an amazing thought? And and I don't know what your tradition is or your understanding of the Holy Spirit, but I often, and as as a kid growing up in the church, thought, okay, great, the Father God created the world. Then he sent Jesus, so God kind of stepped aside and Jesus came. Now there's Jesus. And then Jesus stepped aside and then now it's the Holy Spirit. So, and then Jesus and God are just hanging out in heaven and the Holy Spirit is doing all the work. When really it's not, that, that's actually a form of heresy called modalism where we see the different modes of God and we, we interpret it that way. Rather, it's the Holy Spirit as this divine energy that flows between the Father and the Son, the, the love relationship. It's, it's the very dynamic that is God, the very essence of God, His Holy Spirit. And so if you read the Scriptures, you'll see that the Holy Spirit is up to a lot. And what happens in this divine energy? Uh, this is just a few on the list. Convicts. The Holy Spirit guides, regenerates, reveals, empowers, fills, calls, teaches, anoints, washes, renews, unifies, seals, guarantees, speaks, comforts, transforms, cries, gives, makes, reminds, moves. This is just the beginning of the list. And I've, um, I've taken the liberty of making a, a more extensive list that I want to hand out. I need a few volunteers here. Make sure everyone gets one of these. These are 50, 50 other roles of the Holy Spirit and references from the time of Pentecost in Acts 2, the coming of the Spirit. What do we see the Holy Spirit doing? And how is God at work through His Spirit? Here's a list. And what we're going to do a little bit later, you may want to just tuck this away in your Bible or take it and read it later. But you may also want to, in our time of response, in just a few moments, read through this list. And pray and just ask God, where, where are you drawing attention? Where are you highlighting the Spirit's activity in my life? So hang on to that. We're going to come back to that a little bit later. So back to this quote by John Wimber. We cannot successfully live the Christian life in our own strength. The Father has sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. We are commanded in Scripture to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So in a short time, I've kind of said what the Holy Spirit does when we ask the Spirit to fill us. What does it mean? Well, we're inviting the Spirit's activity into our life. Uh, or in other words, and to put it in context and to frame it in our, um, in our current series on the Sermon on the Mount, we can't, we can't do the Sermon on the Mount without the Spirit's help. We can't do the Sermon on the Mount on our own. So if the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus showing us how to live, a new way to be human, we definitely need his help, and the Spirit provides help. Last week, my sister Stephanie gave one of the best messages I've heard on anger and contempt, and she took that part in the Sermon on the Mount and really, in a clear way, called us to action. And I can't even, I can't repeat or sum it up. You just have to go back and listen to it. And uh, it's, worth, it's worth your time. 
anger and contempt. I mean, Jesus gets right down to the very roots of what it means to live as human in this life. In the following weeks, we're going to address lust, enemy love, pride. And I, I don't know about you, but I get overwhelmed by some of these things. I can't do this in my own strength. I need the help of the helper. I can't simply try enough or strive enough to get her done, you know, to make it happen. It's like the harder I try, the less it happens for me. I need the Spirit to empower me to walk in the way of Jesus because on my own, I'm not doing it. And I think what, a bit of what it means to receive the Spirit is not really this message of trying harder to do it, to make it happen, to, to pressure God into some kind of, I don't know, arrangement, but is this posture of receptivity and receiving. Quick story for you. Most of you know, and I've shared stories about how in a past life, I was a lifeguard. And by past life, I mean 20 years ago. Not, I'm not talking about incarnation, reincarnation. Incarnation I am, I am talking about, but not reincarnation. So I, I was a lifeguard in my 20s, and I helped pay my way through college. And one of my favorite parts about being a lifeguard was you get to teach kids how to swim. So yeah, you just stand on the side of the pool and sit in the chair and save people's lives. That's pretty great. But mostly I just loved teaching the kids how to swim. So fun. I, I swear I had constant giggles all the time because these kids are hilarious. The things that they did and said. And um, I remember this one instance and I, I, uh, I was coming in, a new class, and I met the whole class. It was a, a beginner uh, introduction swimming lesson class to kids about six and seven years old. And in this class, there's two, two twins, one set of twins. There's two of them that were twins. <laughs> and uh, so they, uh, their names were Kenny and Sonny. And uh, they, the only way I could tell them apart was Kenny wore a green Speedo and Sonny wore a purple Speedo. That was the only way I could tell them apart. And uh, in introduction, like introductory swimming lessons, you learn really, really basic things, mostly just to get comfortable with the water. Um, but one of the things that you have to do, and this was the second of the introductory classes, you had to hold a float for five seconds. I don't know, adults, if you've tried this before, but it's actually it's kind of challenging. Unless you're like me, and then floating is just like natural. My body just floats. I've got like a life jacket built into my body. But um, Kenny and Sonny were rails of a human being. They were like skin and bones. And for some reason, Sonny just could not float to save his life. He would try and try and try, and he could not do a back float. It just wasn't happening for him. And his brother, Kenny, would often say to me, Teacher Scott, um, back floats are Sonny's weakness. Thank you. Thank you, Kenny. Check. Okay, I got it. I got it. No, 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 really, Teacher Scott, it's his weakness. He needs to practice this. Okay, we're going to practice it right now. So we'd do the floats, and it, what would happen is I'd hold his back and let go, and then he'd just sink below the water. And poor Sonny was trying to do the thing because he knew what a float was. He'd seen it done before. It's on top of the water, and he was going below it. So he's, like, struggling to get, pushing out and trying to get above the water. It, the, it didn't resemble a float at all. It just looked like this frailing little child. 
drowning in the water. And he's trying to stay above the water. And so one thing that we're taught as instructors is that if a child doesn't meet the requirements because of their physical limitations, we can adjust the rules a little bit. And um, so one of the things that you can do to adjust the rules, in Sonny's case, was he doesn't have to float on top of the water. He can float under the water, <laughs> if that makes any sense. And so I told, I told Sonny, I said, this is what we're going to do. You're going to do all the stuff. You're going to put your hands out, tummy up, head back, and I, we're going to count down from three, and you're going to float. And all I want you to do is hold that pose. Even if you sink into the water, just hold that. That's all I need to see you do is that you can, you can pull off this back float, this back float. And so the kids are in on it, the whole class. There's about eight of us. And they're like, okay, Sonny's going to do a back float. And so we're like, okay, ready, Sonny, here we go. We're going to count down from three, and then we're going to let you go. And for five seconds, we're all going to count, and you're going to do a back float. And he was pretty stoked because it's like this new way of doing a back float. And he's like pretty sure he's going to nail it. So we get ready. I got his hand, my hand on my back. The kids count down. Three, two, one. And we let go, and we start to count. And I just see Sonny holding this float position. And he starts sinking below the water. But he's holding it. He's holding it. And I look below, and I see Sonny down underneath the water with this huge smile on his face. (laughs) But he's like a a foot underwater. And the whole class is getting so excited. They're like, one, two, three. Four, five, and he comes up and he's like, Yeah, I did a back float. And everyone's like, Woo, he did it, he did it. And there was this excitement because there was this, this new way that didn't involve striving or pushing his way to the top, but just kind of letting go into that. And I think relating it to this topic of the Holy Spirit, we need a new way to receive the Spirit because for some of us, I don't know what your background is or your experience with the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's been confusion. Maybe it's been abuse. Maybe the Holy Spirit hasn't been imposed upon you. And you said it has to look this certain way. Well, I think the, the word of God and the good news for us today is that there, there's a new way to receive. And whatever that is, I just encourage you, not just today, but when you leave this place, what it means to receive the Spirit is a bit of, a bit of the Spirit of Sunny. Like, just... It, it, surrendering, laying back into that new reality. And what we're going to do is uh, I want to invite you into a three-part invitation based on Acts 1, 4 to 5. Do not leave Jerusalem. Do not leave. But wait, wait for the gift of my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So my three-part invitation to us this morning is don't leave, wait, receive. What I mean by that is uh, don't leave. Um, This is figuratively and actually. Don't leave the room. Don't leave. And this is is a practice you can take out of this space. So I'm not just talking about this moment. But don't leave. I think it's an invitation to be present, not to check out, but to stay, stay in that moment, to stay focused. Don't leave. Don't check out. Just like Jesus commanded the, the people, the disciples, not to leave Jerusalem. Second, wait. It, receiving the Spirit, receiving a word from the Spirit, receiving encouragement from the Spirit, comfort from the Spirit, doesn't often happen automatically. There's some patience required, an openness to how and when the Spirit comes to you. 
And then third and final is receive. The Holy Spirit does not impose himself on us. We have to be open and receive the Spirit. And so uh, you're probably wondering, what is this response time looking like? Well, there's a few things that we're going to do practically. We've taken away the communion table this morning. And uh, not that it is not important, but so we can create space and kind of jog our our minds, change up our our minds and our our regular liturgy um, to take time to wait, to practice these things, not leave, wait, receive. And what I want to ask you to do in these next few moments, uh, Dan and the team, they're going to lead us in a few songs, more than normal. So uh, we've got a bit of time here, about 15, 20 minutes. And Dan's going to lead us in a, a few songs here. And you are welcome to be however you need to be. What I mean by that is physically, you can sit, you can stand, you can kneel, you can pace around in this space during these songs. You could take this list and you can read through it, pray, and ask God to highlight one of these things or several of these things and just focus on that. You can open the scripture. You have chairs on your Bibles and you can even look at the references. Or you can just enter into worship, sing these songs with us. Um, Wait, receive the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to say a prayer together, and we're going to enter into a bit of an extended time of worship as we close here today. And that will be our response on Pentecost Sunday. All right. Would you stand with me, please? Thank you, God, that you provide your presence to us as we have need. We're not required or asked to wander this life alone without your help, but you come alongside us. Holy Spirit, comforter, guide. And right now in these moments, God, I pray that you would help us to stay present, to be open, or to wait and to receive your Holy Spirit, the free gift of your Spirit that is active in us. And thank you for Acts 2, that uh, we don't have to make your Spirit come. Your Spirit is here. Your Spirit is in this place. Uh, We just simply have to receive and ask. And so, God, I pray that you would show us how you want to reveal yourself to us in these next few moments. Speak to us, God. We are listening. Amen. Let's pray this prayer together. Come, Holy Spirit. Come like a fire and burn. Come like a wind and cleanse. Convict, convert, and consecrate our hearts to our great good and to your great glory. Amen.